Thanks for checking out the Candeo podcast. To learn more about us, visit us at candeochurch.com. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you here in person, or if you're joining us online, great to be with you. Uh, Cincinnati 2021, Bearcats. So I was curious what a Bearcat looked like. And it is the ugliest animal I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like these beady eyes that, but the very first thing that popped up when I looked up Bearcat was this bizarre fact. It's excretes something that smells like hot buttered popcorn. <laughs> that, and I verified it with multiple sources that it's excretions smell like yeah. popcorn. Yeah. So that's, that's I think the next, Ernie, I think the next video you need to make is we blindfold you and set two bulls in front of you and you have to correctly identify which is Orville Redenbacher and which is Bearcat excretions. That is bizarre. Rawr, popcorn. Go Cincinnati. Home of Orville Redenbacher. Well, my name's Stephen Jones. I'm the salt director here in Cedar Falls, and we get to continue on in our series this morning on the family, and in particular, what mission and service and worship look like inside of the family, how we should uh, approach those things uniquely as, as families. And today is particularly special for me because I have the privilege of interviewing you, my yeah, dad, yeah. Steve Jones. So yeah. my dad is here. Dad, where are you at currently? So right now um, we're at Cornerstone over in Ames. Um, uh, my wife, Paula, we just celebrated 30 years of marriage. So we're excited about that. Um, four adult sons, Stephen is our favorite. <laughs> In Cedar Falls. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. In Cedar Falls. Four grandkids and just having a blast. But we were down in Des Moines as the senior pastor of the Well Covenant Church in Des Moines for uh, 18 years. And then uh, a few years ago, just felt God leading us, moving us into something we didn't know what, and then um, ended up at Cornerstone. And really happy about that. Just some great opportunity there. I'm uh, pastor of care and counseling at Cornerstone. And then uh, not even a year ago, uh, we started uh, making preparation to open a, a Christian counseling center. And it's out in West Ames. It's going great. I'm the director of the counseling center. So yeah, just having an amazing time. That's awesome. Happy to be here too. Thank yeah. you for letting me be here. Oh man. No, I, we have a, a privilege to have you here and I'm super excited for the content we get to work through. So what we're going to be talking about today is Christian service, and in particular, family service. So what I'm going to do is I'll give kind of a five-minute overview of Christian service in general, and then the lion's share of our time will be me interviewing you, thinking about particularly how should families think about serving. So if you got a Bible, First Peter 4 is going to be the text that we're going to build kind of our framework of this idea of Christian service. So First Peter 4. So we'll work through verses 7 through 11, and we're going to identify these four principles when we think about Christian service. How should Christians think about serving? Four principles that we're going to see for 1 Peter 4. So we'll fly through these, and then we'll work through some of the practical aspects of serving. So 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11 says this, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and sober-minded for prayer. Above all, maintain constant love for one another since love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining, just as each one received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. 
If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. All right. When we think about this idea of Christians serving or Christian service, four principles that we're going to see from this text that will frame up our understanding of what it means to serve as believers. So starting in verse 10, let's identify these four principles. Principle number one, each believer has a gift. It says right there in verse 10, just as each one has received a gift, each one, each one of us in Christ through the power of the spirit has been given a gift. Every single believer has something to contribute. Uh, to put this in perspective, Paul in Romans 8, 11 says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead now dwells in us. And that spirit who dwells in us has empowered us with gifts to contribute to the body of Christ. Every single one of us has the Spirit of God, the eternal Spirit of God dwells inside of us and has empowered you with a gift. That's incredible. That's principle number one. Principle number two is the why. Why did God give us a gift? Why has God, by his Spirit, empowered us to serve and gifted us? Well, he says this, verse 10, just as each one has received a gift, principle number two, use it to serve others. We are to use our gifts to serve others. That's principle number two. You've been given a gift for the sake of serving. Paul says in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, that some have been gifted as apostles, some as teachers, some evangelists, some prophets, some pastors, all for the sake of equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build the body. That was the reason. Why were some specifically gifted for the purpose of equipping the saints? It is to build the body of Christ. So principle number one, each of us has a gift. Principle number two, we're to use that gift to serve others, to build the body, to contribute to the advancement of the gospel. Now, the third principle that we're going to see is in verse, the end of verse 10. So each of us has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. Principle number three, we should steward the gift that God has given us. It's totally possible that you as a spirit-filled believer, somebody that's been called to serve others, could more or less neglect your gifting. That you are to steward that gift well, that you're to cultivate it, you're to, to grow it, to use it, to intentionally identify it, and to, to try to expand your capacity in using it. We're to steward that gift. It would be incredibly offensive to a great king to receive a gift from him and then to tuck it away and hide it. I mean, Jesus talks about this parable of the talents. Of he entrusts these talents, one, 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 two, one, five. And, and some use it faithfully, some don't. You've been entrusted with all sorts of resources and gifts in, in the various spheres of your life, and you're to use those and steward those faithfully. Number four, what ultimately happens when we use our gift to serve others? Verse 11, if anyone speaks, let him be as one who speaks God's word. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. When we use our gift that each of us has for the sake of others, stewarding it well, it brings God glory. How it demonstrates his grace, his power, that he would use ordinary people for extraordinary purposes. That just totally brings God glory. It honors the giver of the gift when we use our gifts. So those are four overarching principles of Christian service that we're going to use to frame up how we think about serving as Christians. Each of us has a gift. We're to use that gift to serve others. 
We're to steward that gift in a way that honors the giver. And when we do that, it brings God glory. So now switching gears a little bit to more of the practical, like, okay, how do I identify gifts? Things right. like that. Uh, yeah. I'm going to interview you. Okay. And we're going to apply it specifically to families. There's some unique things and opportunities that families have when it comes to Christian service. Now, not everybody fits in that stage of life category. Some of you are single, some of you are in college, some of you are grandparents, but I think all of us have an opportunity to learn quite a bit today. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you've got kids around you, whether you're a parent, grandparent, we're grandparents now, just such an incredible opportunity to, you know, influence and speak into that. So yeah, hopefully something that you can take away from this uh, today. Yeah. So I think the first question that pops into mind as we hear kind of these four principles, this idea of service, this idea that the spirit indwells you and has given you a gift is how on earth do I figure out what my gift is? Like, how do you identify (laughs) your gift? If I'm just steward, I have to know what it is. So sometimes I I don't know what kind of teaching you've been under or things on the topic of spiritual gifts, but sometimes we make it uh, too much like a mystery, like this thing I'm on a, you know, big search for and, there are spiritual gift inventories that you can take, and maybe you've taken those, and those can be helpful. I think sometimes we overlook the obvious, and the obvious um, that I see in like Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So there are desires inside of you that can be bad, they can be wrong, but at the same time, they could be desires that God placed there. Uh, the key word in that verse is delight. So you're a person that's delighting in the Lord. You, you love Jesus. You want to follow Jesus. And I believe God just is cultivating in you, not just in a moment necessarily, but the course of your life, these desires that match his creative purpose for you. So I think it just begins by asking that question, what do you want to do? What is in your heart? What are you passionate about? And just doing it, signing up for stuff and, you know, just or responding to a need based on what you believe God's put in your heart to do. So the second part to that is really important. What are the people around you saying? So Proverbs says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors. So sometimes a person can have this desire to do something and comes to me and say, I really want to do this. I think this is what God wants me to do. And I know them really well. And I'm like, I don't think that's what God wants you to do. I don't think that's part of your gift set. Maybe you, you watched something on TV and you thought, man, I, I should do that. So it's really important to have people around you that know you, that love you, that can help guide what you believe are these growing desires inside of you. So back when I was in my 20s, uh, I was doing ministry um, uh, and there was an older pastor that, that was in this ministry watching me lead and do different things. And, and one day he just called me into his office and he said, Steve, I just, I just want to say something to you that, that hopefully will be really important for you. He said, I, I've been watching you this whole year and I believe God has given you pastoral gifting. I think you should be a pastor. And, and this is a man that at that time was a mentor in my life and still is. And, and, and that was like the final piece. I, I, I was sensing that, but that was the final piece that really moved me in that direction. So what does God put in your heart to, to do? Do it and then listen to the voices around you that are affirming that. Yeah, a simple formula that maybe is, is maybe too simple, but internal desire plus external affirmation equals gifting. Yes. Boom. Way to go, Stephen. <laughs> That's good. Oh, man. The turkey call laughed. It comes out. 
All right, so if that's how you identify your gift and you start moving towards that, I think a lot of times it'd be easy for me and others to get locked into to maybe we've been in church culture for a while and, and serving or using your gift is something yeah. that happens just on Sunday morning. How do you kind of think about that and what does it look like to even yeah. broaden our understanding of what it looks like to serve? Okay, so we have a building here. We have programming. There are needs here for sure. But a good way to think about this what happens if this building no longer exists and there's no longer any programming? How does the Christian community continue to move forward and impact this community for the gospel? And so when you begin to think that way, and actually, ironically, COVID-19 has produced that for us. And just, I mean, we're rethinking how to do everything, including how we do church. And so when you take away the building and take away the programming, um, I believe maybe God opening up all kinds of new ideas on how we can love and serve people all around us. And hopefully you're doing that. I, I know you are. Churches everywhere are doing an amazing job of loving and serving people outside of here, loving and serving one another, meals, people losing jobs, reaching out. So there's lots of ways to serve outside of here. But you do have a building, you do have programming, so yeah, sign up for things, be a part of what God's doing in the life of this church, in this location on a Sunday morning, but allow God to open up other opportunities for you to serve in numerous ways um, that match the way that he's gifted you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that there's a responsibility that the leaders of the church have to create clear pathways for right. people to step into serving. At the same time, you're a spirit-filled believer. The God of the universe dwells in you and, can, and does prompt you and does open your eyes to see needs and, and both here in our specific Sunday morning context, but even beyond that. I think about my neighbor uh, who's been a member of a church here in the, in the community for so long. And when we were talking a couple months ago about how she was navigating the time, she's like, I'm calling every elderly member in our church I can think of. I'm writing notes and it's like, I don't think any leader told her to do that. She just, in her own initiative, saw yeah. a way that she could contribute and serve others. And so I think yeah. that's the heart posture yeah, we want to have. that's great. So shifting a little bit more specifically to families, what were some of the ways that you and mom helped us four brothers identify and move towards yeah. the ways God gifted us? So I'll answer that question by first pointing out a mistake I think a lot of parents make. And so some parents, whether it's in the area of service or any other thing, um, are trying to live vicariously through their child, just pushing their child, their children into things that don't match the way God created your kids. And I mean, God putting your, each child that, that you have or, or grandchild on this earth for a specific purpose. I think of Hannah who prayed for Samuel. And then when she got Samuel, she said, God gave him to me and now I'm giving him back to God's purpose. So that has to be in our minds. So one of the things that has been really helpful for me and Paula um, and, and how to think through that and frame that is something that I discovered back in uh, a long time ago in the Purpose Driven Church book by Rick Warren, where they used uh, the SHAPE acronym just to help members of their church know where to, you know, do this kind of stuff, serve and all of that, but applying that to families and applying that to children. So I started using this when I would teach on parenting stuff. So shape is spiritual gifts. You know, what kind of spiritual gift do you see emerging? And so after the first service back in the green room, I asked the lady sitting next to me, who was that? I forget. She was playing the keyboard up here. I said, she has a three-year-old. And I said, okay, I'm just curious 
if you see any kind of spiritual gift emerging in your three-year-old. I mean, at first that sounds weird, but after you think about it, after she thought about it, she said, you know what? She likes to take charge. She's three, but she likes to take charge. I said, don't minimize that because with all four of our boys, you know, they're kind of in the place that God wants them to be now and they're, they're living into his purpose for them. But a lot of the tendencies that we see in them now, we saw all the way back. I mean, Stephen always wanted to take charge of every environment in our house. Um, you know, new games, new rules, and it, you know, it just completely annoyed uh, his brothers. But Paula and I saw that, and we didn't want to minimize that. And so we wanted to nurture leadership tendencies in him um, as part of the way that God shaped him. Uh, H is heart. What, what are they passionate about? Listening for that, watching for that. Again, we're not pushing them into stuff that we want them to do. We're trying to think, God, we're praying, God, what do you want them to do? I want to partner with you in, in the shape that's emerging. A is ability. What abilities are you starting to see? Even when they're real little, what are you seeing in them? Uh, P is personality. E is experiences. All those things coming together uh, to to give us an idea of the, of the way that God shaped them. So a good question to ask right now, uh, parent, grandparent, as you see that the children that are in your life, do you, what is their shape? You say, well, they're just three or they're just four. Well, okay, so what shape is emerging? I mean, three-year-olds and four-year-olds, there's a lot coming out of them. So what shape do you see emerging in their life? What would you say is the danger of not correctly finding out your child's shape or identifying it. Okay, so it's just back to what I said at the beginning. We're just you know, parents and all of us. I mean, Paula and I didn't do this perfectly, and we had to check each other on this, but not pushing them into things that, that, that did not fit the, the reason God put them on this earth. And so Ephesians 6, 4 says, parents, fathers, don't exasperate your children. So if we put a whiteboard up here and started listing ways that we can potentially exasperate, this would be one of them just pushing our children into things that don't fit the way that God created them. And so that's something that, a danger of not really identifying that shape and, and trying to steward. You, you read the, 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 the verse that had the word steward in there. So we even stewarding our children in the way that God gifted them. That's great. That's great. So when you think about different life stages that families go through or individuals go through, I'd imagine that there's different opportunities and different yeah. maybe pitfalls that families could fall into or, or take advantage of in different stages. So what are some of those stages and how do you think about it? And maybe what's some of the kind of bigger picture foundational things you think yeah. about with life stages? So when we talk about serving, um, it's so easy to be able to compartmentalize serving as just one segment of life. Like we're going to go play baseball or we're gonna, you're going to go to school tomorrow and then we're going to go serve. And so Paula and I did not want to approach this whole thing of serving in that way. We wanted to create what, what we hoped would be a culture of service in our home. So service is obviously not something you do in, the, in this building and then you leave and you don't serve. We wanted there to be a culture of serving. So we wanted our boys to see Paula and me serving each other. Um, I wanted my boys to see me as a dad serving them and, and that that just was a way of life. Uh, you know, putting, you know, serving as in putting the needs of others before yourself. So selflessness. And so we wanted them to be thinking about how can you serve your friends at school or how can you serve kids on the ball field or on the wrestling mat or whatever. We, we were a boy's home. So forgive me if all of my, my illustrations are that kind of thing, but just 
we want them to, to really put the needs of others be, before themselves, which is important because if, if we're not doing that in every part of our life as a way of life, then serving in the church can become some kind of disconnected, bizarre thing. So we wanted whatever they did at the church to just feel like the natural outflow of their heart and in, in that it's just what you do. You serve people wherever you're at. Does that make sense? Yeah. All yeah. right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want a weirdo that selfish in no. all these other spheres is like, oh, but I serve at the church. Which, that's when fakery happens in the life of the church. That's when mom or dad are serving at the church and the kids are sitting out there like, who is that? You know, I don't know that person. Uh, they're acting differently in a building here than they are in our house or wherever else. And so all these things come together. It's a serving is worship, a service of worship. Serving is a life of worship. And the apostle Paul said, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. So everything is an outflow of worship and service to Christ. Yeah. So with that kind of general principle in mind that we should not just compartmentalize serving, but serve in every sphere. What are some of those uh, maybe key principles in the different life stages people find themselves in? Yeah, so maybe so, start with newlyweds, yeah. no children, even if you're in a season of singleness. So if you have no kids and you're single, shape. You find your shape and just jump in. What, what, what does God put in your heart? Just, just start doing stuff. Serve people anywhere, everywhere. Um, if you are newlyweds, you know, man, what a great opportunity to serve together. Paula and I, with few exceptions, we just did everything together. We, we just wanted to experience, you know, service together. I, I did student ministry for a long time. She was just always there. She was my partner. We just look back on some great, great experiences there. When the kids came, you know, young children, we just packed the kids and we just kept going. Um, there just was... Yeah, I mean, it's more work and you got to, you know, pack diaper bags everywhere, but we just kept going and doing stuff together. We wanted our kids, our boys to always see us in some type of serving and ministry context, loving people, serving people and getting them involved. My wife uh, ran our vacation Bible school for many years at our church and our boys were always there. I mean, helping carry decorations, you know, helping set up chairs, just doing whatever. So as much as you can not just like go your separate ways, which I know needs to happen at, at times, but if at all possible, just do stuff together, serve together as a family as much as you can. Um, just all the way through elementary age. When they get to high school, it gets a little bit different because we gotta be thinking of parenting stages, you know, like, uh, developmental stages. So they move into high school, junior high and high school, and just the need for more independence and autonomy. So by that time, we should be really identifying their shape and, and, and nurturing that and encouraging them. All of our boys loved music and worship. We had guitars laying everywhere, keyboards, drums in our house. They loved music. They loved all that. So that just became a natural thing. We didn't make them join the youth worship band. It just was a natural flow, just giving them that choice and letting them develop those giftings. Mm. Mm, yeah. Yeah. And you said so many pitfalls there, like with the high schoolers, not forcing them to do something, yeah. but to help identify with them what to do with the young children. You've said your kids are not a hassle. Yeah. Yes. You need to make adjustments. Yes. Natalie and I adjust things yeah. so that we can serve, but to not see our kids as a hassle or in the way. That's great. Anything you'd add with now you're 
in this new stage where you have all adult children, anything you'd add to that category of how to think through maybe even you serving personally, but then even yeah. with your, your family? I mean, we're, we are living the dream right now. It, you, um, kids don't just turn out. I mean, um, I didn't get choked up in the first service, but it's hard work and you just pour your life into them and so much of the fruit of that won't come until later. So we're just like amazed and blessed with this incredible relationship with our adult children and our new daughter-in-laws are all like daughters and our grandkids to, to just affirm, not so much directing. I mean, we're not directing and telling. We're just affirming and celebrating and encouraging this movement in their lives. I mean, we just love that Stephen is here and uh, is flourishing here. So thank you for that. And just, you know, just celebrating that. And I mean, in, in that environment, they're calling, they're saying, dad, what should I do with this? And it, it's just a beautiful time to not force wisdom on them, but to speak wisdom in those great moments when they call and they say, dad, what do we do? So Hang in there, keep, keep doing your job as parents. And if you're grandparents, then you know what I'm talking about. You have such a great opportunity to love your grandkids and even hopefully uh, to continue to speak into the lives of your adult kids. Man, that's awesome. The fruit of, I can feel that right now with Natalie and I in the thick of diapers and everything, that the fruit of all of that yeah. work is often experienced later. And I think it's also possible that some of you depending on the stage of life or sitting here and you're starting to feel, oh man, made a misstep there, made a mistake yeah. there. And maybe I'm in the adult children's stage and that's not my experience. And I think one of the, the short pithy analogies that I've heard that has been so helpful is the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago, but the next best is today. Like yeah, and, and never minimize the power of humility and brokenness mm. and steps toward reconciliation. I've walked so many families through that and even though they might say there was a lot of wasted years and a lot of wasted time, God can redeem that and restore things very quickly by his grace to the power of the gospel through the appropriate steps of, of repentance and forgiveness and, and reconcilia reconciliation. Hmm. So any other ditches that you would say are common to, that impede us from serving in our families and things like that? Yeah, I, I just wrote down some words real quickly when Stephen, uh, we were talking through this busyness, selfishness, disconnect, lack of balance. Um, you know, we just laughed a lot in our home. We played a lot of games. We had a ton of fun. And so that's, that's part of serving. I mean, that's just <laughs> brought cohesion and joy to our home. And so, so you can get overbalanced in everything. Um, you, you can walk out there and say, okay, our family's going to start serving and just get way overbalanced in so sometimes even when families come in for counseling, you know, I'll, I'll ask maybe the mom or the dad, when's the last time your kids saw you laugh? And I had a dad look at me uh, and say, I, I can't remember the last time my kids saw me laugh. And this is a, a guy that was serving faithfully and just hammering it out at the church. And I was like, we need to sit down and, and restructure your life right now so that you can find balance again in the way you're being a dad and the way you're being a parent and, and that all of it is part of your worship. Mm. That's so good. Thinking specifically, you brought up busyness and time. Like 
I think a lot of us feel like, man, I have so many responsibilities, so many time commitments, things. How do you think about serving in the church or serving in general with that? You alluded to it earlier, but maybe speak more specifically to that. Yeah, so again, serving is not just the church. It's everywhere. It's wherever God presents us with opportunity to use our gifts and abilities. So I think... It, it, the busyness factor is just evaluate. I think COVID-19 has actually caused us to, it's revealed a lot of things. It's exposed a lot of over busyness. I think we've all had the opportunity to collectively back off of a lot of stuff and maybe reassess how are we going to re-enter, re-engage, whatever the new normal will be. So I think we always have to evaluate, just have great conversation, you know, with the people around you. If you, if you have the opportunity to be married, to just talk to each other, be a sounding board for each other. Are we too busy? How do we want to re-engage and just try to find balance? That's great. Well, to wrap up four principles of Christian service, you have a gift. It's to serve others. You're to steward that gift for the glory of God. And to add to it, your children have a gift they're to use it to serve others. They are to steward it for the glory of God. And we have an incredible opportunity as parents and as a church to come alongside others to help them identify what their gift is, to help them identify how to serve using that, how to steward it, and how to leverage their life for the glory of God in Christ. So anything you'd add as we wrap up? No, that was, that was good. Well, I love you, Dad. I love you too. You're awesome. And one of my favorite... Yeah, thanks, Scott. <laughs> One of my favorite things about this is that you're not just full of insights for us, but you're full of a life example because, yeah, all these things, it's like I just read what I experienced because that really was what me and my brothers experienced, and we have so much gratitude and respect for you and mom. So let me pray for us, and we'll continue in worship this morning. Lord, it is an incredible privilege to think of the reality that we were once dead in our sins but have now been brought to life through the grace that we've received in Christ. And not only that, but have been indwelt by your spirit and empowered to serve, to look at the example of Christ who did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself and became a servant, became obedient to death, even death on a cross and was exalted and, and is the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that every knee will bow at. And God, as we see that picture, we're called to, to consider the interest of others as greater than ourselves, to walk after the humility of Christ, to, to emulate him, all from a, a response of the grace that we've received, that we have everything that we need in Christ, and from that place can now turn and serve others, lowering ourselves to, to care for them and to consider their interest over our own. God, give us wisdom to identify how you've equipped us, how you've gifted us, Give us a heart that is sacrificial to serve the needs of others, not just oriented around my own desires, my own uh, wants. God, help us to steward it faithfully, not neglect it, and help us ultimately to do it for your glory. Uh, as, we, as we serve for the sake of others, to bring you glory, to, to highlight your grace, to highlight your power of how you work in extraordinary ways through very ordinary people because your spirit dwells in us. God, we love you. Amen. This has been a message from Candeo Church. To learn more about us or to hear more messages, visit us at candeochurch.com.